You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Plenty to get to as the preseason is officially over and teams are still making tons of transactions today as they're grabbing guys who are released, finalizing uh, rosters and practice squads and things like that. So we've got a few uh, news items to get to to start things off. And then after that, we are going to get to our 2022 awards predictions across the NFL. Very excited for that. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. And we begin with the confusing news, I I guess. And we got to get KP's take on this. The San Francisco 49ers agreed to restructure Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. Uh, It's going to keep him in San Francisco this season. He did take a decent pay cut, but there's a lot of incentives and language in the restructure that he could still make uh, some of that money back if he winds up actually playing this year for the 49ers. So, Jimmy G staying in San Francisco as the backup quarterback for Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo, just when you thought you were out of the woods, man, he is back staying and going to be around for another year. Yay. We're going to spend another year talking about that. But for as much talk as, you know, this last couple of days have been, he's going to be the backup. And no matter what people think, I imagine Trey Lance, like they are heavily invested in Trey Lance. And to me, Kyle Shanahan is a guy who's been – he's lost two seasons to backup because he's had to play backup quarterbacks for more than one or two games. And he knows Jimmy. Um, Jimmy knows the system, all those coaching points, cliches. But I think it's it pretty much comes down to that where um, he saw Nate Sudfeld, Brock Purdy, play in the preseason and understands if it comes down to that, I probably won't be able to win a game or two with those guys. And uh, he talked about the relationship that Jimmy has with Trey – and he said he also, you know, ran the idea by Trey, and Trey was all for it. So it just seems like this is the best way to make your quarterback room deeper, uh, help your first-year starting quarterback, and make him more enticing uh, as a trade option. So now his his cap hit's not going to be, you know, $25 million. It's in the teens right now, but his salary was uh, $6.5 million. So teams can now come calling. If come midseason, uh, let's say the Steelers are unhappy with their quarterback situation or if a team that we don't think might be a playoff contender now um, is is a little better than what we think and they feel like they can upgrade with Jimmy. So um, in Kyle Shanahan's mind, it's the best of all worlds for all those things. What do we think changed? So obviously, you know, you could have moved on from Jimmy at any point. Um you could have traded him earlier in on the process. Like we heard rumors, like people were 
offering trades for Jimmy Garoppolo, but like the compensation wasn't enough. So they were just going to hold on to him. And then we heard, you know, uh, deadlines approaching, cut downs, like maybe they're going to release Jimmy just like straight up so they don't have to pay all that money, all that stuff. Was this like a Seattle might be interested, so like let's figure out a way how to keep him out on the roster type of thing? Because like Seattle's really the only team that would have been in the right. Jimmy G market outside of maybe Cleveland, right? And then even then, like I could see from like Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, right? You're not getting an offseason with any of these teams. They're both desperate at the quarterback position, so you might be forced into games before you need to. It's going to be a contract year for you no matter what, right? Like it's not like you're you're moving to Seattle or Cleveland and they're giving you a multi-year extension that pays you like a starter. Like you're still going to have to like fight for those spots. So it almost seems like Jimmy, from Jimmy's perspective, the way I'm reading this, it's like I'm just going to punt for the 2023 um, free agency period, right? And it'll be a better situation for me to play and play myself into a long-term contract. And then from the, the 49ers perspective, it's like, let's keep this guy away from a divisional rival who might have to split starts between Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke this year. Yeah, his, his shoulder injury really put the team in a rock and a hard place when it comes to when it came to dealing him. And we, we heard those Seattle rumors come up in the last couple of days recently. But and that does feel like, I mean, think about it, the way that NFL coaches think it's only this guy wins. That's all you ever hear. So if you're thinking Jimmy goes to Seattle, you're going to think they're going to win. And that's how they view him as I'm thinking, let him go to Seattle. They win seven, eight, maybe nine games. Now you don't have to worry about C.J. Stroud. Now you don't have to worry about Bryce Young because he's going to take them out of contention to be a top pick. But that's just for one year. We know he's not going to be the answer long term. And now Seattle's stuck in a rock and a hard place just like you were with him. So uh, do you sign him? Do you keep him? So if if that was – if it was really that – um, short-term thinking where you want to keep them from Seattle, then they really bungled the situation. And they already did. Like, it would have been easier to just cut him right when you drafted the third overall pick last year and you would have had the cap space to improve your team. But, um, again, the winning, the short-term thinking, like, that's how these coaches operate. So yeah. you said C.J. Stroud, Seattle. He's going one or two pick. Well, well what do we think I, about I'm saying if, if – if Seattle was bad enough, well, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, put put it on wax. What do you think of Gino? If if Gino Smith starts sixteen games, seventeen games, Seattle is probably not going to win more than five games. Yeah, I probably I probably agree with that. With the team that they have around him, the thing yeah. the thing I worry about with Gino, he's just he's the same guy he was coming out of West Virginia in terms of this. He is completely unconscious in the pocket. So he's going to stick in the pocket and with like muddy rushes all around him and be able to throw like a dig, right? Like deep down the middle of the field. He's also going to get his head taken off every once yep. in a while. Like he's going to take three of those hits a game. And that's where I'm like, you said, you know, if Geno starts 17 games, like knock on wood, I don't root for, you know, like players getting hurt or anything like that. But that, the the way Geno plays football at quarterback is how quarterbacks usually get hurt in the league. Some yeah. of those passes that you're talking about sail right into the arms of the safety, too. You can't ignore that. And, you know, they invested in the offensive line, but Seattle's offensive line is still not good. Uh, They're 22-year-old tackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I tend to think that Gina's probably not going to last all season long. And I don't think that NFL teams are above the pettiness of San Francisco being like, no, we're, we're not letting Seattle get exactly. him. It's just simply not going to happen. Um, but is there any worry? Because I know this has been talked about a lot, like with, you know, the way Jimmy is viewed in that locker room and, and you know, the way the his teammates do seem to really like him as a as a teammate, as a quarterback, as a leader or whatever. Like, I know there was some worry about that with Trey Lance, but it, it does at least seem that the 49ers have said, like, no, Trey is the guy we have to roll with him. So uh, is there any worry really like about keeping Jimmy there and then there being this like locker room thing going on? I don't think so. So Shanahan and Lynch, like they reiterated over and over again that Jimmy's a backup. This is Trey's team and it's going to be like that. So I really don't. And they all, again, they all get along really well. Uh, They all seem to be buddy, buddy. And it doesn't seem like Jimmy's the type of guy that will, will come in and, you know, drive a wedge between those, those relationships. So um, I think those are really just talking points for us that don't exist for the team. I did think it was funny that uh, Shanahan was like, you know, last year they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo benched after every bad throw that he had. Like, we don't let the, that noise infect our locker room. Like we don't pay attention to it. And I'm like, well then how do you know about it? Yeah. Then, yeah. How, then how do you he know about have, it? What? He's very good at that, actually, bringing up things that we don't pay attention to, but he just seems to bring them up often. It is just like even going back to the Super Bowl season, like that playoff run where it seemed like they were going out of their way to just never put the ball in Jimmy's hands. Like they looked at him like a total liability. And to from from that time to where we are now, and he's still with the 49ers is absolutely incredible. But it, it's insane that it's gone on for this long and it's still going on. It's still going on for an entire another season. So uh, Jimmy G. Every day. <laughs> so yeah, Jimmy G stay with San Francisco, but we got to get into the Philadelphia Eagles because they have been very active the last couple of days. And I think that they've made very strong moves. And we talked about the Eagles a little bit last week that I wasn't quite ready to commit to them, like clearly being an NFC contender and, you know, top team in the NFC East. And I think that they are going to be that this season, but one of their big issues was the safety position. And they addressed that yesterday by trading for former Saints safety, Chauncey Gardner Johnson um, and, and the seventh round pick in 2025, the Saints received the Eagles 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 sixth round pick. All of a sudden, I'm looking at that Eagles defense, and I'm like, man, like they could be really, really good when you talk about that front, that defensive line that's going to give teams all kinds of problems. And now the secondary is addressed, and that was the biggest issue for them last season. And then the offensive moves that they've made, I'm really starting to talk myself into the Eagles as long as Jalen Hurts takes that step that you expect him to make this year. Yeah, we talked about last week, you know, if it's not going to be the Cowboys, then it has to be the Eagles, right? And so when you think of Chauncey Carter Johnson, you think of just a guy talking. Like that's really what you think, the guy jawing with each other. But he can play football. He's good at the position that he does. And you, I feel like in today's game especially, you need a guy who can drop down in the slot and not only play the run but match up against man because there are certain routes that, uh, you know, just offenses look to take advantage of with defenses. And I think – he does a really good job of taking away specific routes. So 
I think this is big time for them. And, and he probably gives them the versatility that they were looking for at the position. Um, I guess the easiest way to put it is he can get turnovers. Like he gets his hands on a lot of passes, which is what the Eagles need. And he doesn't really give up the big play. So if we just keep it simple like that, he is going to add a lot of value to them, which like, they got him for next to nothing, which is wild to me too. I think this team's going to be fun. And by the way, KP, what a jinx you had last week. You talk about Tyron Smith. You're oh, like, I don't know if Tyron can hold up. Tyron goes down like two hours later after we record. Sorry about that, Tyron. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's going to be a big deal, man. Like Tyron no not being yeah. there is going to be huge. So maybe there, maybe there is an opening for the Eagles to, to win the NFC East. And whew, if Dallas doesn't win the East, I worry about them just not making the playoffs in general. So. I guess I guess we'll see. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I'm just happy he's staying in the NFC. I think they're playing the Packers this year. Ready to see him jaw against their 22 year old wide receivers. Ready to see him <laughs> jaw against. Uh, I think it's a primetime game. The uh, Eagles against New Orleans. See him against uh, Mike Thomas. Oh man, was it, was, wasn't he the reason basically why Mike Thomas was suspended for a while? Like they I'm were like jawing sure at each other in practice. practice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Really excited. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Chauncey Gardner Johnson versus a North Dakota State receiver. <laughs> he is going to undress him. He's going to be in his head. Um, verbally. Yeah, yeah. And as I mentioned, the Eagles have been very busy. Right before we jumped on the pod to record, it was announced from Adam Schefter that the Eagles are sending wide receiver Jalen Rieger to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for a 2023 seventh-round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth-round pick that would de-escalate to a fifth-round pick um, if certain statistical marks are not met. And you know, for Eagles fans, I think that Jalen Rieger has – he almost like a couple years ago when we saw that clip from the Philly fan of like Nelson Aguilar, like that guy taking a shot at Nelson Aguilar for no reason. I feel like Jalen Rieger kind of stepped into that role after they let Nelson Aguilar go and – now, he's a high-end draft pick who hasn't really lived up to the hype. Apparently, only has three touchdowns in his career, which I just saw, and I was shocked by that. Um, it's a big move, I think, just because he was kind of a trade candidate for the Eagles, and they're so deep at wide receiver now. And Jalen Rieger probably needs a fresh start, and he's just somebody who hadn't lived up to his draft capital in Philadelphia. Is there a role for him on the Vikings? Is he going to play? A fourth round I, I actually pick think the Vikings is like fairly significant, right? So, like, is yeah. he going to push KJ Osborne? Like, I don't, I don't know what. Obviously, they have an that. offensive head coach, and he's going to try to get him the ball. And you don't make a move for him if if he's not somewhat in your plans. I I thought even before this, the Vikings were going to be pretty good on that side of the ball. Um, by the way, got a nice little teaser going week one with the Vikings. Uh, Justice, sorry, um, but like, what is Rigger going to do? differently in minnesota like I, again if they have the pieces around him so maybe that opens up the field maybe he's just going to be their screen guy but i think like they have that type of guy that type of return guy in amir smith marset so uh, maybe they're just betting on him to be better than him than amir smith marset i i don't know I, when i watch jalen rieger play football i see a certain type of thing and that certain type of thing is not what i want to be on the field maybe that's just what he was in philadelphia uh, maybe kevin o'connell has a a different idea of how he wants to use him. I just don't get it. I mean, Rigger's contract 
comes into play too. The compensation comes into play. The fact that he's on the second half of his rookie deal isn't on play. Like, I don't really get this move. I'm sure Vikings fans are happy because they see, you know, former first-round pick wide receiver. We got him pennies on the dollar. Like, success, right? We're, our money ball uh, Ivy League grad general manager wins again, right? But it just doesn't it doesn't make sense as a move to me just because there's so many mouths to feed there already. And Dalvin Cook is in the backfield, you know? That 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 coaching staff, you assume they're gonna want to run the ball. It's not like they're gonna come out in four wide receivers ever. Right. So what what role does he play? And is that worth a fourth round pick? I don't think so. There is going to be an interesting narrative here, too, because Jalen Rieger was selected the pick just before Justin Jefferson. And <laughs> Justin Jefferson, as you know, is just a superstar, like bona fide number one wide receiver. And now Jalen Rieger doesn't even get to the end of his first contract in Philadelphia. And now he's joining teams with uh, Justin Jefferson. So it's. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good for Jalen Rieger to get the fresh start. But uh, I agree with you guys. I don't really. I don't think it makes a ton of sense other than just you're saying former first round pick, his athleticism, maybe we can try to get something out of him that, that team didn't get. So we'll see how that goes for Jalen Rieger in Minnesota. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders waived 2021 first round pick Alex Leatherwood yesterday when they were cutting down to f- their 53 man roster. And I-, I think when we picked our, our guys who we thought were going to kind of flame out this year, Alex Leatherwood was one of those guys that we talked about because You know, he was the 17th overall pick in 2021, and he was just not good as a rookie. And they drafted him as a tackle. We're moving him inside to play guard because he was struggling so much as a tackle. And then all the training camp reports were saying, like, he's running with the bottom teams. Like, he's not even going to be a starter on this team. Like, it's a total disaster pick. And then, you know, you you hate to see a guy release. He did wind up getting claimed today because, you know, he, he's got the first round pedigree, so he's going to probably stick around. But just a, another brutal, brutal pick by the John Gruden, like Mike Mayock led Raiders regime. Is it was Gruden picking guys just five checks? Was that how Gruden was picking players or what, what was going on there? The, and of course, the, story the Bears I pick, heard, him, pick him up. The story I heard about Gruden is that that first draft, right? Coaching staff just stages a coup. Coaching staff walks in. It's basically draft day. And they're like, yep, thanks for doing all that work. We're going to pick the guys that we want, right? Like Tom Gable's picking guys that are like NCA&T and stuff like that in the third round. People are getting surprised by that. And then from there on out, Gruden is like picking first round picks. But Gruden's only watching the playoff games. He's only watching (laughs) Alabama and Clemson and stuff like that. And then Mayock's making the picks after that. So I, apparently, yeah, I, I'd probably well. chalk this up to Gruden, but I don't know. He, this is not a good situation to be in. I mean, your second year, first round pick, you already, I mean, they risked paying him and not having him on the roster because that, that contract yeah. is still guaranteed. They're lucky someone picked up his salary because they would have been on the hook for it either way. Um the Bears are a mess. I mean, they—they they, I think they picked up five guys off of waivers. Their offensive line has looked poor all, all uh, preseason. Hopefully Leatherwood figures it out because I do think he has a lot of talent. But it seems like he's going to have to figure it out at guard. And for whatever reason, the Raiders, I mean, they could have kept him as depth, right? They were already going to pay him. And they just, like, wanted him out of the building. So 
Sounds like worth thinking about. I don't know what the situation is there, but I'm sure there's more than meets the eye. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And it's good that he still got picked up and multiple teams were actually taking a look at trying to grab him on waivers, which is noteworthy because you're picking up that contract too. And it's, mm. it's not like it's nothing. Uh, you know, he's a former first round pick. So you, it's a, you're paying a decent price to claim him on waivers. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out for Alex Leatherwood. Last thing, the Jacksonville Jaguars trade wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault, who's headed into year number three to the Carolina Panthers. Um, we talked about this trade a little bit. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on here. They've already got kind of a deep wide receiver room. I don't have a lot of faith in Robbie Anderson, but I I mean, I I talked about the Panthers a lot last week. I think they're going to be a bad football team, but they've got second year wide receiver Terrace Marshall that we've talked about a little bit, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. I I don't really understand the move to go out and acquire LaVisca Chenault, and I don't think it's a better move for him as a player who – He's probably been underutilized in Jacksonville and they've struggled to find a role for him in the offense. I just don't think this trade really made all that much sense. Why was he drafted where he was to begin with? And that's not his gadget player, man. This was like this. He was this person in college. Uh, He really struggled to create separation in college at Colorado. Debo like Debo like can get carries. Can be used as return man, jet motion. (laughs) One person plays like he runs a 4-3. The other one plays like he runs a 4-7. Um, just not even close to the same type of player. And, again, that's not to talk down on him. And, and it's probably the Jaguars' fault for doing that. But K.J. Hamler is right there. You could have done that type of uh, – you could have gone that route. Um, I don't know what they were thinking. And maybe kudos to the Jags for moving on from him and not you know trying to fit a square hole into a round peg. But – um, what is, is this the end or is he going to catch on and is he going to become a different player? Because I, I have my doubts. I think he can keep getting looks. I mean, we've seen guys like, I think CPAT is a good comparison. Cordero Patterson, um, in terms of a guy who can just like stick around as a kick returner for a while. Maybe you can get What's him. What's the difference the right between situation. those two players? Justice. There's a, a decent amount of speed. <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's a difference, but I could see Chanel doing something like that. I just don't get why they made the move though. Like, why are you giving a draft pick away for that? Yeah. Also, why is Matt Rule allowed to touch the draft picks in the future? Didn't we all agree he's on he's in a lame duck season? Like, what? I don't understand what we're doing. We're we're giving Matt Rule every opportunity to prove that he's wrong at the expense of whoever is going to clean up the mess that Matt Rule is making. Go yeah. Panthers. <laughs> I mean, it's a cheap trade, I guess, but yeah, it doesn't make you better. And I don't know, maybe Dave, David Tepper's like, no, Matt Rule is just going to be here for for years to come. That's um, my guy. Yeah, you think he's pressed for money? He's like, I can't afford. Yeah, he's just like, I, I can't, can't, I can't afford this contract, man. <laughs> uh, he has been, oh, he, he has been spending a lot of money, and he bought that team a few years ago, so maybe he is cash strapped right now, but. Yeah, the trade doesn't make a lot of sense, but I uh, hope LaVisca Chenault figures it out and maybe can uh, turn his NFL career around a little bit. But let's take a quick time out here. And when we get back, we will go through our 2022 awards predictions across the NFL. It's coming up next on NFL University. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. Joined, as always, by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. We're going to give out our 2022 NFL Awards predictions. Should we start with MVP or should we go backwards? Should we start with Coach of the Year and work our way up to MVP? How do you guys feel? You both know you want to start with Coach of the Year, so let's just knock that out right now. Let's get to it. Dan the Man Campbell, baby. Hey. doing it. Seven seed. We got it locked in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, K- KP before the show was like, you guys really or you guys realize there's a chance like Jared Goff like kind of balls out like statistically. I was like, this is what I've been saying. This is what I've been saying all summer. Exclusive in whatsoever. This is, this is what I've been saying all summer. It doesn't have to be Jared Goff. They can just okay. train wheels the offense. Why? Tell us why Dan Campbell is going to be the coach of the he has a really good offensive line. Yes, I think his defense improved greatly. I mean, just getting a guy like Hutchinson, getting a guy like Josh Paschal, um, getting a guy like Okuda back, I think that's a huge jump. I think Coach of the Year generally is the award that we give to people who greatly beat expectation. I don't even think it's like really like this was the best. Like if, if it was this is the best coach in football, Bill Belichick would have a whole lot more of these, right? This is more of just like, this was the guy who was the head coach of the team I had to eat crow about. And I think a lot of people expect the Lions to be a still a bad football team because Jared Goff is under center. Even though last year they were a team that was in a bunch of close games. And I think some of those are going to end up breaking the right way for them. I think they're going to be in a lot fewer of those kind of like blowout type of situations where they're down 14 points in the first half or something like that moving forward. So I just think this Lions team is going to p- take one of the biggest strides of any team in the league. And Dan Campbell is just the head coach of it. And I'm excited because I think he's going to win over some people in the media too. You don't think we're going to get a uh, little press conference clippings from him like every Monday, every Sunday, he's going to dominate Monday or he's going to dominate uh, that Sunday night football halftime. 
Aaron Glenn in I, year two should be a big improvement too. By the way, yeah, he's going to be a head coach. By the way, he's going no he's, he's to be up there. It's I agree with everything that Justice said, and it's the bar's low because he could win Coach of the Year and only win eight games or nine <laughs> games because the bar he could so win low. it as the seventh seed. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. And we you know, we we talked about the Lions last year and kept being like, yeah, they're cut, they're fun, they're interesting. They only won two games, but somehow they overachieved winning two football games and. So that's why I'm so high for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. And maybe it is uh, hard knocks and just the positive PR that he is creating with that. Maybe that's part of my infatuation with Dan Campbell. But I'm just really excited for the Lions. And I'm ready to roll with Dan Campbell as coach of the year. I'm not uh, really against it. Um, he's going to be fun. There's no doubt about it. And to the media point, that does matter. Um, we grasp onto these uh, these one-liners, uh, these sound bites, and that's what you remember come voting time. If, if it's going to be between Coach A and Coach B, and I'm thinking kneecaps in the back of my head, I'm probably going to go with that person who said that. I am going with a first-slash-second-time head coach. I'm going with Dennis Allen of the Saints. I think the Saints are going to be good, and I think the Saints are going to make a run in the play- or I think the Saints are going to comfortably make the playoffs. I like their roster. I like what Dennis Allen did with their defense last year. I'm assuming Jameis Winston is going to stay healthy. I'm assuming Chris Olave is going to be as good as many expect. I think Jarvis Landry is going to be a good uh, threat for Jameis underneath, as will Michael Thomas. And, again, like they're going to win double-digit games, and it's going to look like uh, he takes the Saints, who should have made the playoffs if they were stayed healthy last year, uh, to another level and – uh, that's that's my reasoning for Dennis Allen. I, I I'm pretty big on the Saints this year, and I know that there are a couple question marks along the offensive line, but I think Ramchek stays healthy this time around, and that they're able to get around, um, I guess, the left side of the line. You could say Andres Pete. No, I didn't want to say, say that. <laughs> well, and that actually leads me to my pick for comeback player of the year. And I selected Jameis Winston because I agree with you. I think we've spent a lot of time underestimating the saints this off season, just because of the quarterback situation. But I think that Jameis Winston's going to be fun in this offense and the weapons that they added. And we'll see what they get out of Michael Thomas. I'm really high on Chris Olave. I just think that, if they can get the the gunslinger YOLO Jameis Winston that we saw in Tampa and, you know, maybe cut those interceptions in half, then and we already know their defense is going to be good, then I, I think the Saints are going to be really good. I think they are going to have a chance to make the playoffs. So I love Jameis Winston as my comeback player of the year. How many wins are we talking here for the Saints before we move on? What do you guys think? I'd have to count them up. I'm assuming – their win total is like nine and a half. Yeah, I think so too. I was going to say 10, something like that. Just eyeballing the roster. My my pick is running back Christian McCaffrey. Here's as simple as it gets. He's had 667 rushing yards in the last two years. His fantasy ADP is second. If he hits that, <laughs> he's going to win enough people fantasy leagues that like the hype is going to build around him. Everyone's going to talk about how he's come off of these injuries and stuff like that. So I think this one's pretty simple. I, I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. He's the one that makes the most sense to me. 
it's I, you mentioned his fantasy ADP, and I can't think of another player ever who has been not been able to stay on the field for two like years. not played for football, who's still, <laughs> who still viewed as like an elite playmaker. It's insane. Incredible. It's something I totally disagree with, but I understand the reasoning behind it. This is yearly, too. Like, this is nothing new, and it's the same thing every year. It feels like obviously, uh, you hope that he doesn't get banged up, but it seems like uh, this is Groundhog's Day with Christian McCaffrey. My comeback player of the year wasn't injured last year. Uh, you would have thought he was by the way people talk about him. Uh, Matt Ryan, Colts. I think he's going to lead the Colts uh, to a very successful season. And he's going to remind people how good of a quarterback he is. Again, just being an upgrade from Carson Wentz, just not being a pain in the neck for Frank Wright. He's going to take that offense to another level. And again, they're going to win a ton of games. When you win, you get recognized. And that's why. Uh, I like Matt Ryan this year. I think he's going to be a significant upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think the Colts are also going to be really good. And I, I just think it's been totally downplayed what a big difference he is going to make for them this season compared to Carson Wentz last year. Because while you know he he's an older quarterback, he's still really good. And I think Frank Reich is going to just put him in really good positions to succeed. So... I, I like that pick, even though he he didn't get injured last year. Last year, I think he could still win comeback player of the year. I'm making our own contact too. P- people get mad about you know talking about anyone who hasn't been injured because they like the narratives, right? They don't like the idea of this guy had bad stats, now he has good stats. He wins comeback player of the year. They want something like an Alex Smith type of situation or something, right? To root to root for, but. Guys Playing on that won. Falcons team last year, being in that situation, he deserves comeback player. Of the year. Yeah. And the the whole thing with Atlanta going after Deshaun Watson and then having to trade him, like that's yeah. a whole other layer to this thing. Dirty. He's so, like he was like a great guy in the community, too. Falcons fans were like legit pissed. They're yeah. like, dude, this sucks. Have you seen yeah. videos of Matt Ryan in Atlanta? Like he can go like in the street, like Stuck. he can go wherever, and people love <laughs> yeah. this dude. He's the mayor. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're talking me into it. We should just let's just get that hype chain rolling now. Like yeah. Matt Ryan, for all the reasons that we just listed, comeback player of the year. Uh, my pick for defensive rookie of the year. I selected Eagles defensive tackle Jordan Davis. Um, just we talked about him when they drafted him. He's an incredible fit uh, for what they want to do. Their defensive line is absolutely stacked, and he's just an athletic monster. And we already talked about the Eagles, and I, I think they're going to take a huge step forward this year. I just think he is just going to be a monster from the interior of that defensive line for them this year. So I, I got high hopes for him uh, this season in Philadelphia. I got one of his teammates, Quay Walker, for defensive rookie of the year. He's going to start in Green Bay. He was, what, the highest drafted off-ball linebacker in the draft, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly. The other thing, too, the Packers don't really have a third pass rusher. They're using Quay a lot in pressure packages, so he's going to get some sacks, some TFLs that way. I just think in general, I always, whenever I think of defensive rookie of the year, I always end up leaning uh, off-ball linebacker just because I feel like the voters in that, that category – just overrate tackles. I don't know why. I understand like it's kind of it's it's a broad voting structure. So like you don't have people necessarily looking at like the tape or advanced stats or things that don't necessarily show up in the box score. So I just end up always leaning inside linebacker. And I think Quay 
has the best shot to kind of like rack up uh, important numbers there. Yeah, if, if you feel like he's going to be one of the team's leading tacklers, it's a safe bet. Um, a lot of like just the media in general, uh, they're going to go to ESPN.com, filter tackles, and okay, that's who I like. Um, obviously, like his speed is going to make a big difference for Green Bay. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see uh, what he can do, how they use him, and what they put on his plate. My defensive rookie of the year, uh, first rounder, George Karloftis. I just think that he's in a situation where the Chiefs are probably going to be ahead quite a bit. And he's going to be able to run into some sacks. I think he's, I mean, he's a good player in general. We've talked about that. But again, uh, I think he's going to be in a situation to pad his stats a bit. And it might not, it's not going to be like 15 or whatever. But if if he is close to the league leaders and he has, you know, tackles for loss and, and memorable sacks. So the Chiefs are going to be on prime time a lot. So that you have to factor that in. So uh, you're seeing the Chiefs a lot. And you remember, all right, fourth quarter, George Kalaftis had this one sack on primetime. And this other time that they were on TV, he was making these plays. So I think those are going to register uh, with a lot of the voters. And I, I, I've, it's easy to rely on, like, to fall back on good players, too. So uh, pretty easy for me, uh, George Kalaftis. Furious George, baby. Let's I was going to bring it up. We <laughs> asked him about his nickname. He says, I like Furious George. I'm so mad this guy isn't a Packer. He was right there. We could have taken <laughs> it. Yeah, I, my my entire calling card this offseason was get the two Georges, get Karloftis, get Pickens. And they just they hurt me. They hurt me. He's George has looked really good in the preseason and he had two sacks. And then it was totally under discussed, in my opinion. But he started the final preseason game opposite of Frank Clark, which was different from the first two preseason games where. He was coming in with the second team. The Chiefs, of course, haven't confirmed that he is the starting defensive end opposite Frank Clark, but he looked so good in the preseason. I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be the week one starter. So, yeah, I I think that's a really good pick in George Karloftis. I'm really excited to see him this regular season. Uh, My pick for offensive rookie of the year, I selected Saints wide receiver Chris Olave. Uh, I already told you why I like Jameis Winston and – Michael Thomas might be healthy and he might still be that guy that he was a few years ago who can just get tons of volume and tons of looks and be that kind of volume pass catcher. But Chris Olave was one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft and all the reports about him in training camp have been fantastic and his deep connection to Jameis Winston. I just think we're going to see a lot of those this year to Chris Olave. And we talked about, this Saints offense, I I just have high hopes for him, and I think he's going to have a, a really big rookie season in this passing attack. He's my pick too. I mean, I thought after Jamison Williams, who obviously was injured, he might have been up there with like the next most talented wide receiver. I think in this draft class, he's got the speed. He's the only guy in that room who can like run deep downfield for Jamison Winston, who he knows wants to chuck it down the field. He's playing on turf in a dome. Like, it's it's hard to create a better situation for a guy like a Chris Olave than what he has right now. I thought it was insane. I, I was looking at um, the uh, Rookie of the Year odds on DraftKings just to, like, use as a uh, list to work off of. Romeo Dobbs is, like, fourth in Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. He's going to be the Packers wide receiver four. I know we're excited about him, but like he's going to get out snapped by Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and Christian Watson. He's like plus yeah. like 1,100 or something like that. That's crazy. 
Until as the Packers guy, I'm telling you, don't put money on that. I I got it when it was like <laughs> do not. Plus, it was like plus ten thousand the week after the draft, and I picked that up. I'm not taking it at eleven hundred though. That's crazy. Yeah, Olave is in a great spot. I mean, knowing what the Saints ask of their receivers, and not just um, you know he he him being the only deep threat for Jameis, like he's very aware, uh, spatially aware, and that is a very good trait wide receivers to have so he'll be able to run 15 yards down the field sit in between the safeties uh, sitting between the linebackers and just eat up easy yards which is why i'm going isaiah likely for the ravens because that's all he did in the preseason and it's going to be lamar check down to uh, likely likely he's going to make a guy miss and he's probably going to have 60 yards here uh 50 yards there and he's just going to be able to consistently build where like i don't know if the Ravens have anybody they can rely on outside of Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. So the door is open for somebody else to step in. And to me, that guy is going to be likely. I'm already all in on the Ravens. So it makes sense to pick likely. Uh, again, they're going to be very good. I think they're going to, that's just how their passing game is going to operate uh, with a lot of 12, uh, 12 personnel on the field. So with two tight ends, that other guy is going to be likely. Uh, it just sets up really well. Uh, for him to rack up yardage, um, just how w- what they're doing on offense. So I'm I'm going likely. Tight end two for offensive rookie <laughs> of the year is a bold call. But I was telling you guys last first. week after after the show, I have a buddy who's working with the Ravens right now. He will not shut the hell up about Isaiah Likely. I haven't actually ended up watching him just because I've why I'm, why would I watch Baltimore Ravens preseason film right now when I have tra- I'm tracking Packers pre uh, <laughs> when I'm watching team punt snaps. teams. <laughs> I'm watching punt team. I was watching last night, watching uh, Samari Touré's gunner snaps. So I'm I'm doing some sicko stuff, but I'm not doing it revolving around the Ravens. I haven't gotten to look at him, but the people in the building seem excited at the very least. So so when I talk about the spatial awareness that Olave has, it's a lot for like like he he understands where the soft spots in his own are, and it it doesn't seem like much, but for rookies to be able to pull that off. It just tells me that they'll be able to put a lot on his plate because obviously he's athletic enough to separate in man coverage. But if he knows how to get open in zone coverage, like it'll be pitch and catch for him, Lamar. Yeah, it's and the pass catchers, you mentioned it outside of Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman are just total red flags for the Ravens. And it sounds like J.K. Dobbins is now not going to be ready for week one. So they've got Mike Davis. They just brought in Kenyon Drake. Did Rappel win? Did Rappel win the beef? <laughs> it wow. sounds like it. it It does not seem like J.K. Dobbins is going to be ready to go in week one of the season. So I, I do I do like the bold pick there on Isaiah Likely, who I think is going to be a part of this Ravens offense this year. Uh, my pick for defensive player of the year, I selected uh, Browns pass rusher Miles Garrett. And this to me, it, it's one. I, I think that the Browns defense is really talented and I think they've got a lot of depth there and they brought back Clowney who had a huge year last year uh, opposite of Miles Garrett. I just think it's his time. Uh, like, you know, he's been the best pass, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL for several years now, but he hasn't quite gotten over that hump of like totally in the argument to be better than, you know, Aaron Donald or TJ Watt who have won the last couple uh, defensive player of the year awards, because those guys are exceptional. Those guys are dominating forces. And I think miles Garrett is that he just hasn't quite ascended to that level yet where he wins a defensive player of the year. So I think he's going to have a good chance to do that this season. Will a slow start hamper him? 
like assuming that the Browns for him are or the Browns to be the right. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So assuming that the Browns aren't going to run out and be ten and two, whatever they would have been uh, with the other quarterback, like will will voters hold hold that against Garrett, or will the score be so close where teams are able to? I mean, obviously he's going to get doubled and chipped or whatever, but like he, with the other quarterback under center, like the Browns were going to be up 14-0 out of the gate, and now you have to pass. And now Garrett can just pin his ears back, and he was going to win anyway, but like, he would have had a monster season, I imagine, now. And, and that's not to say that's not going to happen. I just it, – it might be a little tougher for, her to, for him to win considering um, the Browns situation. I thought about taking Garrett, and that was my thing. I was like, I don't know if team success is going to be good enough, right? Um, my defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. Sure, you guys can figure out why. Ooh, wow. Like, yeah. Bold. <laughs> How many times does he want it? Does he got three of them already? Uh, All of so. them. I mean, this is if you want the logic on Aaron Donald, he's the best football player I've ever seen outside of maybe healthy <laughs> J.J. Watt, and his team is coming off of a Super Bowl. That's it. Is he better than and he got, he got more money too? He got paid more money. He seems motivated. He's already ripping off multiple helmets uh, in joint practices against the team they just beat for a Super Bowl. Seems like he's motivated. A motivated Aaron Donald can do anything. Is he better than a healthy JJ Watt in his prime? JJ Watt to speak. I don't know. I th- I think about it and then I'm like I probably I'd probably take JJ just because he can do so many things because of his size. But right. Donald is – it's not 1 and 2. It's 1A, 1B. And that's like their own tier. Any position. Any position. Those are the two most dominant players I've ever seen on a football field. And yeah, I watch Aaron Rodgers know, every Sunday. We know Donald is like the best at what he does. But for whatever reason, I feel like we're just so normalized by what he does that um, some of the things – some of the plays that he makes is still like, how? Like, how does that happen? Like, how do you win so quickly? Um, how do you make a guy who is pretty good at his job look like he's not very good at his job? And Donald does that weekly. He is something else, man. I, I hope that when it's all said and done, like when Donald does retire, that he gets the credit that he doesn't. And I imagine he will, but uh, there should be no sugarcoating or um, no undermining of just how dominant of a player he was. I am going with Nick Bosa. Um, he's going to be, Homer. I imagine he's in the top five, <laughs> Homer. he's in the top five, um, defensive player of the year uh, rankings. He, he finished, he started to climb, um, in the odds as the season went along last year. So the 49ers have to get off to, a, uh, have to get out of the gate to a fast start. They're going to be on prime time quite a bit too. So he's going to have a chance to, again, put in the minds of voters that I am the guy, like I am going to be dominant. And whenever they are on TV, like he makes a ton of plays. He has, Bosa has games where like it's two and three at a time. So I think it's going to be one of those type of years for him. Um, again, so he tore his ACL two years ago. Last year was supposed to be a somewhat slower season for him um, because, you know, a year removed. Now this was supposed to be the year that he takes off. And uh, I think with everything around him on the on the defense on that defense anyway that uh he's set up for some serious success so i think it's uh it's pretty easy i think 12 to 1 odds for bosa easy for me yeah take it i almost selected nick bosa and then i talked myself into miles garrett but it is 
under discussed how he came back from a torn ACL last year. It was just a total monster. Like it was like, it never even happened. Like he was totally fine. Cause he's just an athletic freak. So uh, I think Nick Bosa is probably a, a really good bet to win defensive player of the year. Uh, my pick for offensive player of the year, I selected Vikings wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it's very tough, uh, to to win this if you're not a quarterback i think quarterbacks win this a lot unless you have an insane season like cooper cup had last year and i think that justin jefferson is totally capable of having that kind of insane season like he's just such an incredible player and i've got quite a bit more faith i think in this vikings offense now that mike zimmer's not there and now that it, it seems like they're, they're going to have an offensive-minded head coach who's going to try to get more creative with the weapons that they have. And I think it's going to be better for Kirk Cousins, and I think it's going to be better for the entire offense. But this thing's got to run through Justin Jefferson. And I, I've just got such high expectations for him because he's been so exceptional through his first two years in the NFL. I don't know if you've heard this, but the way that O'Connell's talking about him is like he's going to be there, Cooper Cup and he's going to make sure that he gets the ball a ton. Jefferson's a great pick. He has, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be a 2,000-yard receiver, but he's going to flirt with that number for sure. We get him week one. Packers get him week one, unfortunately. <laughs> Enjoy. My, <laughs> offensive, my offensive player of the year candidate is Justin Herbert. I think he's going to put up a ton of points and a ton of yards. I talked to my buddy Steven Ruiz from The Ringer. He swears the entire the entire Chargers coaching staff is like, not only is like Justin Herbert taking steps forward, like mentally he is on a completely different level in understanding this offense this year compared to last year. And if that's the case with what Herbert already has in physical talent and like talent around him in general at the offensive skill player positions, I he might be an MVP candidate. I thought about it for a little bit and then I, eventually I was like, I'm just going to throw in a lock who's probably going to end up winning uh, right. his division because I think, you know, team success ends up playing into that. But if Herbert ends up, you know, the Chargers end up being the five seed, but they do it at like 12 and five or whatever, and Herbert puts up crazy numbers, I could see him winning Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, my Offensive Player of the Year was the same, Justin Herbert. Uh, last year, 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. And that was with an offensive coordinator that really didn't let him operate the way that he should until about midway through the season. And even then, um, he was doing what he did last year with some big old question marks along the offensive line. And I'm not saying that they did everything to shore it up, but for every, for all the reasons you said, you would imagine that he he's even better this year. Um, he might have to be just because of everything around him, but I, I can't imagine him not progressing if that makes sense. So uh, if we assume that what we saw last year is only the tip of the iceberg, it's, it's pretty easy pick for me. Um, but there's not much that he can't do. Like he, it's pretty. We're we're spoiled with some of these young quarterbacks, and Herbert just from from the things that he's able to do from the from the things he's able to see. Uh, his arm, we all know about his arm, but that's probably not even best attribute. I think that he just gets the ball to the right spot, and knowing that, knowing that they're probably going to rely on him quite a bit. Like his stat line, he's going to have some games this year where you're like. He did what in this game? If you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, he he's going to be his clips are going to be all over the timeline this year. That's for sure. Let's go Ducks. We got a uh, big game on Saturday against Georgia. I think we have like a ten percent chance to win. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping we can do it. We got maybe Bo Nix starting under center. 
it, it could be a bad scene. Marcus Mariota is doing the uh, ceremonial coin toss because it's in uh, Atlanta Stadium, and he's obviously a great duck, great former duck. Excited. I did. <laughs> Line 17. I, I did consider Justin Herbert for my pick for offensive player of the year. So uh, I think everything that you guys said, yeah, I, I think it's totally fair. I think the Chargers are going to be really good. Uh, I think that they are going to really challenge the Chiefs in the AFC West, but it still didn't change my MVP pick. I selected Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and Homer. It's just I, some of it probably is biased because I just pay attention to this team so much all the time. But it's also like it's Tyree Kill and everything that he's doing, too. And all of the, you know, all of the analysts that are like, oh, Mahomes isn't even top five anymore. You know, it's Rogers, it's Burrow, it's it, it's Herbert. I, I think Mahomes hears all that and he's just like, OK. I got to go win another MVP now to to make all these people shut up and remind them how successful I've been so far in my NFL career. And just the depth that they have at wide receiver, like they're not replacing Tyreek Hill, but I like the overall depth they have at the position more than they had last year, which was bad because um, after Tyreek Hill, it was Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. Like they got more bodies there now. And, and I think it's all going to lead to good things for him. I just think he's got a chance to just go n- nuts this year. And I think he's going to be playing pissed off, which is a scary thought for the NFL when Patrick Mahomes is ready to just go 5,000 yards and try to get like 50 touchdowns again. I, I think he's just going to go absolutely nuts this season. I just picture Mahomes every night drinking his Coors Light with his sponsor and just laughing at what Tyreek Hill is. I have no idea why Tyreek Hill cannot get the Chiefs name out of his mouth. It, <laughs> it is so bizarre. And for everything that you said, people forget just us talking about uh, Herbert right there. Um, like, I'm, I'm hesitant to call Herbert the best in the game because of 15 in Kansas City. Um, we, we need no reminders. You said, you said he's going to remind us. We need no reminders of who he is. Like, there's no doubt about what he can do. Every time he takes a freaking field, uh, just in the preseason, like for a few drives, you're just shaking your head. Like, man, this, he can do anything and everything. Um, we, we talked about Fortson last week. If Fortson is a candidate for comeback player of the year, it's because Pat's going to put the ball on his face in the end zone and he doesn't have to do anything, man. He just... He makes everybody around him so much better. Um, I'm you are you are very fortunate to have him under center. Uh, let's <laughs> say that. Let's leave it there. These young quarterbacks, man, crazy. We talked about Herbert. We've talked about Mahomes. I'm about to talk about Josh Allen, but like we we haven't. There, there was like a whole decade long span in the NFL, maybe like 15 years, where we didn't see a guy like this. The best we got probably was like Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. That was probably the closest that we got to like, we're kind of just coming out of that era. Yeah. It was like when the CBA rules changed in 2011 up and from like Matt Ryan until like Mahomes, who did we produce as a superstar quarterback? It was like Russell Wilson. That's pretty much it. That's crazy. It's crazy to think about Josh Allen. I picked him as my MVP candidate. They're short and sweet. He's super talented. I think his team is a layup to win the AFC East if, if, you know, these guys stay healthy. And that was the big difference for me because, again, I do think that, like, team success ends up playing into voters' minds when it comes down to this stuff. And I just don't want to touch the AFC West, man. 
I wouldn't want to touch the AFC West with an MVP award just because it's going to be so tough for all, all every single one of those teams to compete. Uh, my MVP candidate is an old geezer at the age of 25. Uh, his name is Lamar Jackson. He um, is in a contract year, and I think that is going to oh, is he? quite a bit. Yeah, is he in a contract year? <laughs> he, he, will, he will let you know on Twitter, too, that he's in a contract He'll year. He'll like he a couple will, uh, of photoshops do- with him in a Miami <laughs> Dolphins jersey. He, he, he tweeted I, at someone, did you see the you don't love Lamar? Yeah. Did you oh, see so that good. tweet? So someone good. tweeted someone <laughs> tweeted at him was like, I love you, Lamar, but yada yada yada, you gotta take the deal. And his response was just, You don't love Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> like that is MV, that's an MVP himself. right there. He's put um, on some weight too. Looks like good weight. Yeah. He's stocky. He stay healthy. He's stocky this season. so he's going to rush for a thousand yards. Like we already know that's gonna happen, but I think uh he's probably gonna somewhere around 34, 3,500, score a bunch of touchdowns, be the reason that the Ravens are good. Uh, the Ravens, again, being winning games is going to help. We're, we're mentioning teams, the Bills, uh, the Chiefs. We're mentioning teams that are going to be near the top of the league in wins. And uh, with everything that Lamar has done throughout his career, I think, again, they're going to be on TV. His highlights matter. Let's be honest. Highlights matter for MVP. And he is the highlight of the NFL. Like He makes – the best of the best look like just like mild athletes. It's pretty insane what he's able to do. And um, it, it's not going to be a bunch of long passes like Allen or Mahomes, but it's Lamar Jackson, man. Yeah. That's, that's my MVP pick. I don't, I don't really know what else to say that you don't know about Lamar Jackson, but I think this Baltimore team is going to be good and he's going to be, he's going to be the driving force behind that. Yeah, I considered both of your guys' picks, and I, I think the case is easy for, for both of those guys. Josh Allen, I, I think that the Bills have the most talented roster in football. Uh, we saw that absurd touchdown that he had in the preseason to Gabriel Davis, and he's just going to do that on a weekly basis this yep. year. And they've got so much depth on that side of the ball. I think he could easily do it. And then you know, before Lamar got hurt last year, we saw him taking strides as a passer that we hadn't seen him take before and getting better, which was like, yeah. if he plays a full regular season last year, he might put up better numbers than the year that he actually won the MVP, which is insane. And the Ravens are in such a better situation this year. I, yeah, I, I can't uh, disagree with either of those picks. Those guys could easily win the MVP, but... Those are our 2022 NFL Awards predictions. And thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing at the SB Nation NFL Show on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.